Hello and welcome to Be a B2B Leader, your B2B knowledge base. I'm your host Felician and today we are going to talk about positioning. You will, you will learn what it is and why you should care about it. Our guest is Mark Evans, a fractional CMO who helps B2B companies improve their marketing. And Mark is also the creator of Marketing Spark, a podcast with insights from B2B marketers and entrepreneurs. I will add that Marketing Spark is a really nice podcast, and if you are interested in those stuff, yeah, in B2B marketing and entrepreneurship, you should definitely listen to it. So, welcome to the show, Mark. Yeah, thanks for inviting me. I'm excited to talk about my favorite topic, which is positioning. So, let's dive straight into it. What should every B2B leader know about positioning? First of all, I would say that every B2B leader should recognize that positioning is a need to have, not a nice to have. One of the biggest challenges facing many companies is that they look at tactical execution as the priority. So the focus is on tools and data and positioning is, is I would suggest it's almost ignored. It gets very little attention. And as a result, companies sort of, they cut themselves out the knees because they're, they're not paying attention to something that underpins their entire business operations. And I would argue, and I'm obviously biased because I believe in positioning that if you have strong positioning, you will have better marketing, better sales, better product development, better employee um, attention uh, and retention, and that your organization will have an important pillar to outflank the competition. But the sad reality is a lot of companies never really do positioning exercises. And if they do, they'll do it once and then they'll forget about it. And that's a, that is a mistake because if your positioning gets stale, um, then you're put yourself at a competitive disadvantage. Yeah. But how do you do that positioning exercise? So is it just by talking with clients and understanding what they need and where your product fits in or? That's a great question. And I have a 10 step process that I follow to do positioning. Number one, it starts with where your positioning is at and really do an assessment of, of whether your positioning is working or not. The signs that your positioning is not working is that you've got high bounce rates on your website, low conversion rates. When you, your advertising is not working, you're having trouble attracting employees. And when your salespeople are doing presentations or demos, the prospects don't get what you do immediately and why you're relevant to them. There's all kinds of indications. So you start with that. And then you look at your product. Uh, you look internally. You try to get different perspectives on how people internally see your product, what they see as the strengths and weaknesses. Mm -hmm. You also want to look at, talk to your comp talk to your customers. You know, what do they see as the things that you do well? How do they get value from the product? Because ultimately, they're the ones who will, you need to talk to. You can talk internally and you can make some educated guesses, but customers and prospects will tell you what they're looking for and what's important to them. Then you want to look at the competition. How do they position themselves? Because you do not want to position yourselves in the same way as your direct or indirect competitors. You want to be different or unique or better, and you want to stand apart. Because if you don't, then you get lost in the crowd. You're just 
like think about it. There are dozens, if not hundreds of competitors in every single industry. And if you can separate yourself from the pack in even a very small way, then that gives you an advantage. That gives you something that you can rally around and you can point to customers and prospects and say, we are different. We've got a different approach or we're the best option for you. So there's, there's lots of different steps that you need to take to get positioning. It, it cannot happen. Positioning cannot happen by getting a few people in a room and spending a few hours throwing stuff at a whiteboard and then deciding, hey, this is our new positioning. This is how we're going to go to market because what you've got is people with inherent biases and defined views of the world and they have absolutely no perspective and no external inputs into how they should position the companies going forward. And a lot of companies do that. A lot of companies, you know, they do these glorified half-day workshops and come out of it with the position that they think is going to is going to rule the world and and that's just a fallacy. Yeah, like they come up with a position that only they care about. Like it's it shouldn't work like that. Well, and that's the one of the inherent problems with marketing is too many companies have a product centric or sales centric view of the world. They're enamored with their products. They think that their products are king and that if they just go to market with the product, it's going to work. And the reality is, is that, and I'm, I say this somewhat tongue in cheek, is that, is that customers and prospects don't care about your product. They don't care about your technology. They don't care about your APIs. What they care about is themselves and how you're going to help solve their problems or help them get jobs done. In time, they may want to know the inner workings of your product, but you need to take an uh, outside-in view of the world as opposed to an inside-out, and that works for positioning because you want your positioning to resonate with the people that matter to you. You want When they see your positioning, you want them to think, that's me. They're talking to me. They're talking about my problems. They're talking about the things that I want to experience, and it's not about product. It's not about benefits. It's not about features. Yeah, but I think the big mistake that many companies and people do in general with positioning is that they just start saying that they are better or bigger or they have more experience and people don't really care about those things. Like you really have to be unique because everybody says that they are bigger or better. Yeah, it, it's, a, it's a common approach because saying that you're number one or the best option or the biggest option is now i guess it would be fair to me for unfair to say that it's lazy marketing but it's marketing it's almost like default marketing if you can't yeah. think of anything more creative if you really can't find what makes you different then you default to saying we're the best the question is the problem is who says you're the best like is it is it gartner is it g2 or are you just declaring yourself to be the best and the positioning success happens when you do the research, you dig internally, you talk to your customers and you find something, you find the alignment between what your product does and the value that it offers and what your customers want. And you, you may in that journey land upon, it could be some, a, a, a different approach that you take a, p- a particular set of features that are amazingly popular and powerful for your customers or Maybe your pricing's different, or maybe the way you go to market's different, but you have to find that thing that allows you to say we are better than the competition, or mm-hmm. we're unique, that we do things differently. Um, and something, it, 
something sort of emerges that you can sort of rally around. And that's the key. If you can find something even relatively small that you can rally around and that you believe that's, that, that's true, then you can go to market with that. You can go to market with positioning that your entire company can get behind because they believe it. Yeah, but does positioning have to be something fancy? Because, yeah, when you explain it, it sounds that it really has to be something different in the market. And I believe that it doesn't have to be God knows what. It can be a very simple thing, like, let's say, a CRM for sales teams in the IT consulting space. And that's already a pretty niche po niche positioning. And if you have customers that yeah confirm that you are the best CRM for them, and yeah they give that so social proof, then it's enough. You don't have to yeah add that magic sparks on around it. Yeah, that's an important point because I think when people do think about positioning, they're looking at something that has to be dramatic. They look at high-profile yeah. brands like Nike for example, and go, if I don't do something, if I don't create a position like just do it, then my positioning is not going to be very successful. And they're intimidated by the fact that positioning needs to be something powerful, something different. And the reality is, is that, is that effective positioning, positioning that makes a difference can be very nuanced. It can be very subtle and it can be relatively minor difference, but the fact of the matter is it's different. So you just have to find something that differentiates you from, from all the competition out there. So the, your example of a CRM is a great example because if you go to market, there are how many figure what there are thousands of CRM systems out there, easily thousands of CRM systems, yeah. right? So, so how do you differentiate? So you have to pick something that makes you different. So you could say we're the CRM system for lawyers to, you know, and we're only for lawyers and our CRM is designed the way that lawyers operate, the way they do their business, the way they deal with clients, and that's going to make us stand out from everybody else. And, and positioning, in, in a sense, really says, defines that you're not for everybody, but you're for specific types of people. And if you're one of those people, then we're the product for you. And in many ways, I think positioning allows you to boil down the ocean. It allows you to focus your marketing and your sales and your product on serving a specific audience. And if you can do that, or, or people who want to operate in a specific way, and if you can do that, then your positioning um, will allow you to stand out from the crowd. Yeah, like these days, it's really difficult to find that blue ocean. Everybody would like to have that strategy where you go into a market that has basically no competition. But yeah, to come up with, with such a product or a service, you have to be really creative. <laughs> And you have to be for a long time in one industry to yeah see the pain points that other people don't see. And, yeah, I yeah. mean, I, I mean, one of the biggest challenges, and, and I say this repeatedly on on LinkedIn, is that companies don't talk to their customers on a regular basis. They take their customers for granted, and they assume that once they become a customer, then their job is done. Maybe they'll send them a newsletter once in a while or do a webinar. But my view of the world is that you need to talk to your customers all the time. You need to be understanding what they think, how they feel, how they're using your product, because the competitive landscape changes. New players appear that have different features or different benefits. The economic landscape shifts so that, for example, 
you know, a year ago, you know, many companies were thinking about driving growth, about about um, driving more <clears throat> revenue. That was their biggest priority. And now that focus has shifted. It's now it's about productivity and controlling costs. So if you're if you're not talking to your customers and you don't un- recognize that their thinking has changed, then your positioning and your messaging is going to be off target, ta- ta- off target. I mean, it may have worked for a very long time, but now the landscape has changed and you're, you're telling a story that doesn't resonate anymore. And, and you'll get in trouble if you, if you don't talk to your customers on a regular basis and understand that their view of the world has changed as well. Yeah. Like today morning, I, yeah, I was listening to a brilliant story about the Polish entrepreneur who, yeah, he started the company in 1995 and they were basically the market leaders for over 20 years. But in 2015, uh, a different company came into the Polish market and they wanted to completely change the game. So they were doing the things that the others didn't do. But, you know, the old company, they were just saying, ah, we are the market leaders. Nobody can take us down. Today, the company that came in 2015, they are the market leaders and the old one doesn't exist. Just because they didn't talk to the customers, they didn't adapt, and yeah, they didn't want to change. Like they were still using that old mindset, and I believe that these days, if you want to survive, if you want to get a bigger market share, you have to be proactive and go to the customers, talk with them, uh, talk to your employees, take care of the company culture, and yeah, use all those insights to build your positioning. Otherwise. Yeah, it won't work because it's not only about the customers, but also about the people internally. Yes, exactly. Two thoughts there. One is that, so when I do positioning exercises, as I mentioned earlier, I go to a company and I say, okay, I have to talk to key stakeholders. And that could be all the, um, everybody in the C-suite plus, you know, uh, you know, the head of customer success and the head of customer service. But I also say, I need to talk to five to 10 of your customers and it has to be a variety. I want to talk to new customers, people who have been around for a long time, people who are, who are advocates and maybe even, even customers who are not terribly happy, but they're, they're sticking around. And then one of the reactions I get on a regular basis is, uh, what do you mean you want to talk to our customers? There are customers. I, I don't want you touching our customers. I don't want you to talk to them because they're almost afraid that if somebody talks to them and asks them what they think, that that'll be a bad thing is that'll just remind the customer that they're not entirely happy with the product. And that is such a common theme during my position in engagements. And I have to emphasize the idea that it's the only way you're going to get real feedback and real insight into your product. So eventually many of them say, okay, you can talk to them. You can talk to my customers. And I say to them, I'm going to talk to them independently, not with you because I don't want them to mm-hmm. feel inhibit- inhibited uh, with their feedback, which is all off the record. And what happens is that they, people tell me things, customers tell me things that I say is, oh, that's really interesting. That Oh, that's, that's, an, that's an interesting insight. I go back to my client and they're shocked. They, are, they yeah. cannot believe the things that their customers have told them about the product, the things they like, the things they don't like, the value they get, the features that they like. And it just illustrates the information void that a lot of companies are operating in is that they just don't get that that insight that they need to 
ensure that their marketing and their sales and their product development is, is, you know, relevant, reflects what their customers are looking for and ultimately makes for a, makes for a better product. I will cut you off here because do you think that those customers are more, more willing to share that feedback with you than with yeah, the business owner? I think customers talk to me, are happy to talk to me because they're hungry to provide feedback. Uh, they mm-hmm. are very, if they use a product, they, it's, it's amazing uh, how enthusiastic they are to, if someone simply asks them some questions about the product. And there's a lot of pent up uh, demand among customers to provide insight because they're vested in your product. They're paying for your product if you're a B2B SaaS company mm-hmm. every single month. They've made a commitment and how else to demonstrate that you value your customers by letting them tell you what they think. And I think what you have to do as a, as a marketer or even as a salesperson is you have to create a corporate culture in which customer engagement is just part of how you do business. Like you're always talking to customers. So it's, it's not a barrier to entry. Customers recognize that you're a very engaged company, that you're, you're, you want to dialogue with them and that it's, mm-hmm. it doesn't come out of left field. It's actually something that happens on a regular basis. So it could be, for example, that your CEO holds quarterly Q&As or a quarterly webinar in which he answers yeah. questions from customers and makes himself accessible. It just sort of creates this sort yeah. of uh, environment in which customers feel like they're part of the process. They're part of the journey. Uh, they're not these um, these entities that are kept sort of you know, off to the side because, you know, once we have you as a customer, we don't need to deal with you anymore. Um, and it's just a different mindset when it comes to doing business. Like, I believe that the best thing a B2B leader can do is to actually become friends with your customers or the people you want to become your customers. So if you start engaging with them, if you, let's say, create a podcast and learn more about them, about their pain points, about yeah their thoughts on the world and stuff like that, then it will be much easier for you to do business with them, first of all, but then to also keep that relationship growing and yeah, growing your business that way. Yeah, I don't think that, I mean, I would, I don't think you need to be friends with your customers. I think that (laughs) I think you need to have relationships with them. I think you need to be empathetic about their needs and their goals and aspirations. You need to engage with them and make them understand that, that their opinions and their thoughts matter and that you have to position yourself as a company that listens and that like that's the thing that I meant by friends. Yeah. Yeah. You know, friends are those people that understand what you've, yeah. Understand you as a human being, basically. Yeah. It's interesting. So I had, I have a client that does uh, property management uh, software Mm -hmm. for, for condos. And when I talked to their customers, one of the things that a lot of them said is that, that will provide feedback to the company about the product. And then a few months later, that feedback will appear in the product because the company has a operating um, style that says listening to our customers and, and doing what, and, and doing some of the things they ask us to do is important to our product development. And that's a key part of their positioning. Now it's not the, it's not the lead theme mm-hmm. for their positioning, but it was one of those sub themes that, I felt was important to position the company as different from their competition because their competition doesn't do that, or I don't think they do do that. Um, and that's just 
that's just an insight that our customers told us. We didn't, we didn't, I didn't ask them. They just told me. And, and that was just like, wow, that's great. Uh, it makes my life a lot easier when, when, uh, when I just sort of reflect what customers are saying. How do you identify if all of your customers care about your positioning? Because some people, like when you said on the interviews, it's easy to get those insights. But let's say you have thousands of customers and you can't talk with every single one of them. So, I mean, I guess what you're trying to do is you're trying to, in some ways, you're trying to segment your customers and then get a sample from each segment to see whether your positioning resonates with them. So you have customers that have different needs that use your product in different ways. But what you're trying to do is create sort of overarching positioning that could apply to your all your customers. You've got, I call it umbrella positioning because it sits sort of over top mm-hmm. of everything. And then you can have you can have variations on your positioning that talk specifically to different segments of your of your um, of your customers. So that's one way of creating positioning that can resonate with different types of customers. And the other way is, as I said earlier, is that you look at you know how landing pages perform based on different messages that you put out there, your website, your sales decks, your demos. Like all the different ways that you can measure the effectiveness of your story, advertising. You can do you can do advertising with different types of positioning. You can do some A/B testing, and you can get a sense of okay, when we when we positioned ourselves this way, we got this kind of reaction. We got these this these page views, these conversions. When we positioned ourselves that way, it didn't work. It didn't resonate. Yeah. So there are lots of little tests that you can do um, to determine if your positioning is is working. That's interesting. I like the umbrella term because sometimes a company serves a few industries or a few personas, basically. And yeah, making sure that everyone cares about it is really, it's a difficult task, no matter how you look at it. And yeah, having that one umbrella term for everything and then going a bit more into details in specific yeah verticals, it makes it easier. Yeah, I think... One of the things to look at with positioning is that positioning in many senses is an internal exercise. What you're trying to do is establish you know, what do you do, uh, who do you serve, your, your customers, you know, why what you do matters to, to them, and how are you unique, different, or better. And that's fundamentally uh, the way that you've got to map things out so that everybody within the organization understands those four pillars People can rally around around them. You get alignment because people believe them and they believe that's the way you go to market. And then you take your positioning and you you leverage, then you move on to, to messaging. So positioning is how you sort of establish yourself in the market in the minds of consumers. Messaging is how you tell your story. So you can take your positioning and then you have leverage messaging to for your website, for your sales decks, for your social media profiles, for all the different ways that that prospects and customers will interact with your brand. So across the board, they're seeing a very coherent and consistent message. There's no variations on a theme. Fundamentally, you know, the story's out there and there's no doubt about what you do and who you serve and, and why it matters. And, and there's the marriage of positioning and messaging that has to happen because positioning can be very much an internal exercise, but if you don't leverage it, if you don't use it to tell your story, 
then it's a waste of time and effort. Now I have a different, yeah, a slightly different question because some companies sell to B2B, yeah. Yeah, they sell to other businesses and they also sell to customers. Some yeah, sell to huge enterprises or conglomerates and at the same time they sell to SMBs. So can the yeah, can your positioning work for both of these worlds or should you somehow adjust it? Positioning can work for everyone and it goes back to the whole idea of umbrella positioning. You know, fundamentally mm-hmm. what you're trying to do is you're trying to find sort of common themes at a high level that you can use to articulate, you know, what your company does and, and why it matters. But this is when messaging actually sort of takes on a really valuable and necessary role is that that you can take your position and you can you can leverage it to create different messages for different target audiences. So mm-hmm. Small, small companies, for example, the message that you go to market to attract small companies may be a different story than the, than the message that you use to attract large enterprises, but it's all underpinned by your core positioning that you've got this, this at the, at the center of your sales and marketing and product development, you've got this core positioning, but how you attract people can be variations on a theme. It doesn't mean that you're telling stories. It means that the story is aligned with your core positioning, with your strategic positioning. But it doesn't mean you have to tell the exact same story to every single type of customer, because that would be that would just be bad marketing because different customers have different needs and different priorities. But positioning kind of anchors you and it provides you with that that page on the Bible that you can go back to and refer to and say, okay, I understand sort of our core positioning, and I'm gonna try to leverage that in different ways. I love the thing you said that positioning anchors you. Like it's perfect to end the conversation, I would say. <laughs> but Mark, what would you say? What's the biggest takeaway from our yeah today's interview? I would say that the biggest takeaway is that a simple one is that positioning matters and that it's a core part of how a, a company operates. There's a lot of focus, obviously, these days on data. KPIs, um, marketing automation, tactical execution, and those are all important. But at the, they're all. It all starts with positioning. It all starts with the, the idea that you're that you're really clear about who you serve, what you do, why what you do matters, and how you're unique, different, or better. And it all starts there. Once you have that, then it's a lot easier to do marketing, sales, product development, and customer success, mm-hmm. because you've got a common theme that you can rally around. And, and the message is, is that, you know, m- positioning may not be seen as a priority right now. I mean, a lot of companies are focused on, I got to get leads in the door. I got to, I got to keep my customers happy. You know, those are the biggest pains to a lot of companies right now. But if you, if you're simply focused on that and you ignore your positioning, then eventually it's going to catch up to you. Eventually the competition is going to outflank you because their position is going to be more relevant and more impactful. And then you'll be sitting there wondering, well, why isn't our advertising working? Like, why isn't our, our um, social media more effective? Why aren't our landing pages getting more traffic? Because you're, you're not listening to customers and your positioning is, uh, is off target. I love it. But one last question. How often should companies do the positioning exercise? Well, you're going to get a, bi- 
a biased uh, uh, answer because obviously I believe in positioning being uh, a really important exercise. I would say that companies should review their positioning on a quarterly basis. It doesn't mean they have to go through the entire exercise, but I think they need to look at their positioning and then ask themselves in a very sort of subjective way, is it working? What are the signs that it's not working? They should explore the competitive landscape and look at how competitors have changed their positioning because it's, it's always changing. So at least, you know, you know, a, um, a quick review or a review every quarter. And then at some point in time, if you're doing the quarterly reviews, you'll come, you'll, you may get to the point where our positioning's off. It's just not working anymore. Things have changed. The competition has changed and we need to do a full review. But I would say quarterly is a good way to sort of validate and test your messaging or your positioning. And it, you may be fine. It may be great with a, a couple of tweaks or you may realize that it's time to overhaul it. But uh, you got it's like it's like taking care of your car, right? You, you, you know, as long as you're sort of checking the oil and, and doing things to keep it well maintained, then eventually you'll catch things before they can become a problem. And the same thing goes for positioning. Perfect analogy for the end. <laughs> so, Mark, it was great to have you as a guest. Please tell the audience where can they find you and how can you help them? You can find me on LinkedIn if you do a search for Mark Evans. I write content on a fairly regular basis. My website is marketingspark.co. And I work with B2B SaaS companies, most of them under $5 million in sales. A lot of them are doing no or little marketing. So essentially what I do is I help companies establish rock solid marketing foundations upon which they can start layering on different types of marketing. And I work with companies in two ways. Uh, one is as a strategic advisor. So I'll work with companies on a regular basis to help them brainstorm, ideate, oversee their marketing, uh, help them embrace different types of marketing. And I, of course, I also work with companies developing uh, positioning and messaging and, and strategic narratives, um, really helping them identify what is their story, how do they go to market with that story, and how do they differentiate themselves in ultra competitive landscape. So if anybody wants to reach out to me, it's you can go to marketingspark.co or you can send me an email mark at markevans.ca. And you will find all the links in the description of this podcast. <laughs> so Mark, thank you very much for today. And see you on LinkedIn. Thanks very much. Appreciate the opportunity to talk about positioning. Thank you for listening to this episode of Be a B2B Leader. If you liked this episode, make sure to leave a review in your favorite podcast app. Also, if there is something you would like to learn, let me know. After all, we are building a knowledge base for B2B.